0: Back to News and Views, talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again. Senator Phil Graham served six years in the U.S. House of Representatives, 18 years in the U.S. Senate, where he was chairman of the Banking Committee. He was the author of the Reagan Budget in the House and the landmark budget and banking legislation in the Senate. He taught economics at Texas A&M University. He has published numerous articles and books, He currently works in private equity and is a non-resident senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. His newest book, The Myth of American Inequality, How Government Biases Policy Debate, Uh, apparently everything that Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Maxine Waters spout spout off about uh, income inequality is highly suspect. Now, I think our listeners knew that. They would have guessed that anyway, but now we have some documentation to back up suspicions, and it's all here in this new book by Senator Phil Graham. Senator, thanks for joining us. Good to have you with us. Uh, Thank you, Tom. Good to be on your show. Well, um, Senator, um, let's not sugarcoat the issue. Uh, you've, You've called the book The Myth of Inequality, so let's jump right into it. What is the myth?
1: The myth is, uh, based on the census's measure of household income. Uh, in 1947, when the census started measuring household income, almost all payments were made in cash equivalent. The government provided very few benefits in kind, like food stamps or rent subsidies. Mm-hmm. There was no Medicaid. And so the Census Bureau did not count in in in-kind payments. But when the war on poverty came in uh, 1965, virtually all welfare programs or programs where government gives you uh, a debit card, which you buy food with, which the census, does not count as income. Uh, It pays your health care bills. If you're poor, through Medicaid, but the Census Bureau does not count Medicaid uh, benefits as income. It pays your rent with rent subsidies, but the the Census doesn't count those benefits as income. Uh, And there are over 100 other federal, state, and local programs that transfer goods and services and income to low income households that the census does not count. It also doesn't take into account taxes. So that it doesn't count with fundable tax credits to low income people. But when it's comparing the income of high income people to low income people by not taking into account taxes, uh, it overcounts the income of high income people by not deducting the taxes they pay that they never see. So the bottom line, to make a long story short, Tom, is that the census says that the ratio of the top 20% of owners, to bottom, is 16.7 to 1. We show that when you count all transfer payments as income to people, that get the payment. And all taxes as income lost people, that pay it. The ratio is not 16.7 to 1, but 4 to 1. You can say, you can say that's too much, but it's a different debate than 16.7 to 1. We also show the poverty rate is between 2 and 3%, not 12%. And I think the big blockbuster is that despite the fact that, for example, you mentioned, uh, Senator, um, Warren uh, and and Senator Sanders, Senator Sanders says the growth in income inequality is uh, uh, obscene and unsustainable. We show that if you count all transfer payments as income and take into account taxes, income inequality is actually slightly lower today than it was 70 years ago.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: it's pretty
0: amazing. Well, and that goes against you know, the, the, the narrative that comes out of D.C. So two questions come to mind. Uh, and first of all, I'll make a comment. I'll put it in the form of a question. It, 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 my, my first thought as I as I read reviews of your book, and I hear you talking now, is the, the, the Maxine Waters, the Bernie Sanders, the Elizabeth Warrens, the Sheila, Jack, uh, Sheila, Sheila Jackson Lees of the world of Washington, D.C., don't they, they want this method to continue because they don't want the problem to be fixed because they'd be out of a job.
1: Well, as I pointed out in a Wall Street Journal article uh, maybe six months ago, that when President Biden said if we double the refundable tax credit, we'll cut child poverty in half, I pointed out we wouldn't cut it in half because refundable tax credits don't count as income under the census's measure of poverty. Sure enough, when their report came out, they didn't count it. And then they issued a supplemental report saying if we had counted it, it would have had effect. But what happens is we we say there's a problem. We say 12 to 15 percent of people in the country are poor. We provide benefits to help Poor people, but we don't count them. And so five years later, we still got 12 to 15 percent of the people who are, quote, poor, and we increase benefits, but we don't count them. And the process goes on and on. The so- truth is that, uh, let me just give you two numbers. In 1965, the average family in the bottom 20 percent of owners in America got $9,300 from the federal government in transfer payments. In, 19, in 2017, they got $45,400. Now, when the average household is getting $45,400 of benefits, uh, and the poverty rate is in the 25000 range, The numbers just don't make any sense, and they don't make any sense because the census chooses not to count benefits that the taxpayer is paying for.
2: Uh, Betty Hardy's with us. Uh, Senator Graham has got a question for you. Uh, Senator Graham, I'm uh, I'm a practicing CPA, have been for 30, I guess I'm on my 33rd or 4th year. So I know a little bit about the tax code and and various payments and things. How about, you know, during COVID, uh, I think the 2021 year was the first year you know, uh, a majority of Americans did not pay income taxes. I think only like 47% in 2021 paid any income taxes when you look at, you know, the COVID relief and those types of things. What 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 about the COVID relief that went specifically to, to families and individuals uh, during this time? Is that counted in these numbers?
1: No, well, no, it's not counted in these numbers. It's not counted in the official census numbers. Mm-hmm. Where there were cash payments that was counted, but there were virtually no cash payments. And you can say when they got the refundable tax credit, which was a huge payment, uh, because it was a refundable tax credit, the census doesn't count taxes. They didn't count it. Wow. Mm. So the census is undercounting the income of low-income Americans by about two-thirds. And it's overcounting the income of high income individuals by about 40% by not taking into account state, federal, and local taxes.
0: You would think um, that this would be a uh, headline story on something like 60 Minutes. I mean, I realize they're very biased and they're not going to cover this. But have you gotten any kind of mainstream media coverage on this? Because. Now, now, Benny said again. He does taxes. He was probably aware of a lot of this, but uh, you know, I'm not a tax guy. I'm not a I'm not a numbers guy. And uh, quite frankly, uh, I saw this, and I, I was shaking my head and rolling my eyes in disbelief. But yet, at the same time, it's knowing our government is pretty easy to believe. But have you gotten any? What kind of feedback have you gotten?
1: Well, it's interesting. It's gotten uh, reviewed, maybe in. 10 or 15 different places, including the Wall Street Journal, and reviews have been good. It's selling very well. It's in the top 1% of all nonfiction books now, so it's getting a lot of attention. Uh, the response from the left has been basically no response. Uh, there's been a little bit of response that, well, this just shows how our poverty program has worked. Uh, because it's worked better than even we claim. Uh, well, it's worked in the sense that we've we've eliminated war. That's clear. But listen to this number. When the war on poverty started, 68% of prime work-age persons in the bottom 20% of income earners worked. That number is now down to 36%. Well, wow. so what we we've done is substituted, uh, we've we, we dealt with need their needs, but they've paid for it at a price of idleness.
0: And, and, of mean, course, and there's probably well, a direct correlation to crime when you connect that. No, uh,
1: well, I don't know about that. I, I think you can make that argument. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we've got a critical labor shortage and you've got only 36 percent of prime work-age persons uh, that are supposedly in poverty that are working, uh, clearly you're paying people not to work. And look, it's hard to blame them. When you can't make $45,300 a year or you can't make much more, and the government's willing to give you that, why would you work?
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Look, these numbers are based on the census collects all this data. They just don't use it. All these numbers are government numbers. Nobody has sent the numbers along. The the basic approach of the left has been, I wish this would go away. And two, this just shows that we've really had a big impact in that we have raised a bunch of people's income. That's about it.
0: uh, You've you've been a numbers guy all your life, Uh, obviously all all the way back to, to writing budgets for Ronald Reagan. Were you surprised by the findings?
1: Yes. I knew there was a problem because starting in the 80s economists kept finding that if you look at what poor people consumed in the 80s and you look at what they're consuming now that only about 2 to 3% of people would have qualified as being poor in 1980 42% of people uh that are uh said to be poor on their own home the average size of the home is three bedrooms, one and a half baths. Wow. Uh, the size of a poverty home in America is as large as the middle-income housing is in Germany, France, and England. Wow. Uh, so and we knew something was wrong. What happened in the pandemic is we had time to go back and put it all together.
2: Couldn't do anything else. so Might as well analyze the yeah, <laughs> <right. laughs> Well, well, Tom sort of asked this, and I'll ask it again. I mean, I, you know, I'm careful when I, I, I to say this that, that we have some smart people in Washington. I think we do, but sometimes their decisions uh, don't warrant that praise. I mean, there's some smart people in Washington that 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 know this that look at numbers. So, so my question to you is why why are they why are they not uh, acknowledging this and keep saying that, hey, we've got to do more because we're not moving the needle on poverty. We've got to do more to, to uh, well, defeat I, income inequality. First of all,
1: a lot of people don't know this. They see the number that the census puts out as household income, and poverty is calculated off it, and income inequality is calculated off of it. And people don't go behind numbers. What we did in the book is went behind the numbers and show that the census doesn't count two-thirds of all transfer payments um, as income to people who get it. So some people don't know, and I, you know, I don't want to impugn people's motives, but there are obviously, uh, if you want the government to spend more and more money, Uh, not acknowledging the solution is probably beneficial. And being able to claim that inequality is growing very rapidly and we've got to do something like get rid of American capitalism uh, uh, can be a powerful argument. And almost everybody seems to believe this, but we show in the book, and we've shown in the article in the Wall Street Journal, and I presented this at Stanford University, I mean, I've, I certainly hadn't hidden this under a rock somewhere, um, that poverty is actually declining, I mean, uh, inequality, when you count all transfer payments and taxes, it's actually slightly lower today than it was seventy years 70 years ago. So we're creating this huge debate about a problem that doesn't exist.
2: Right. And what's worse.
1: Extraordinarily as that sounds.
2: And and what's worse, too, uh, two-thirds of our budget, uh, federal budget, a lot of these things um, that are not being counted in this income is, is part of our, our um, entitlements that, that really causes really a deficit. Yeah, really, unless Congress changes things, uh, we don't control two-thirds of the budget. That, that, uh, well, many of these things are in there.
1: And ha- they certainly have in the past. We did during the Reagan years. We changed these things. And, uh, you know, with the federal debt now, 100% of GDP, at some point it's going to have to be dealt with. I'm hopeful we deal with it before we have a full-blown
0: crisis on. Well, we better hurry up and do it then, because uh, it, it's uh, it's looking pretty nasty. Have you had a chance to share your findings with uh, the top Republicans up in D.C.? I mean, obviously, yes, I have. Okay, and has their response been I'm, positive?
1: It's been very positive. And what I'm what I'm trying to do is get Congress to pass a law that requires the Census Bureau to count all transfer payments as income. And take taxes into account when it's calculating income inequality.
0: It's, it's, uh, let's that's get our simple.
1: facts straight.
0: Yep.
1: Let's just get our facts straight, and then we can have a debate. You know, the plain truth is, Tom, that when we're providing now, counting all the pandemic stuff, over fifty thousand dollars a year uh, to low-income families in federal in government transfers. Maybe we ought to debating how efficiently we're doing this, instead of just simply debating. We got to have more and more and more and more money.
0: Uh, good uh, point. Uh, they, they, yeah, the, the the government ought to be incentivizing the private sector to create jobs, and frankly, they ought to be incentivizing charities to uh, meet the needs of many people. But boy, there, when it comes to uh, abuse, they're they're the number one. Uh, abuser uh in our country as well. Own
1: and, have, and we've also got to say that if you're able bodied and you're getting uh fifty thousand dollars a year from the government, you've got to work.
0: Yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah. So so how do they get the book, uh, Senator Graham?
1: Uh you can buy it at a big bookstore, but the easiest way is to go on Google and order it. Um you can do that by just simply putting uh, uh, put in uh, your search thing for Google or any of the other search instruments uh, the myth of American inequality and it will come up and they've got now 30 pages of stuff about the book they give you a couple of chapters they show you uh, they have the reviews from The Wall Street Journal and and other places, and they've got a bunch of people you can order the book from. That's the easiest way to do it.
0: Well, Senator Graham, uh, thanks for joining us. This this is a fascinating – and I need to get the book. It sounds like a fascinating read. I've, I've read a bunch of reviews on it, but uh, now I can do, get hold Do we. If
1: you – uh, everything you need to know to defend the American free enterprise systems in this book
0: well, thank you for what uh, what you have done uh, over these many decades, and thank you that you're still doing it. By the way, i got to say, every time I see you, you are the happiest-looking guy I've uh, I've seen to ever come out of Washington, D.C.
1: <laughs> well, maybe because I'm out of Washington, D.C. No, look, I love my years there, and I love my country, and it was a great blessing to serve it. But I've enjoyed being in the private sector, and uh, I'm very fortunate. Uh, uh, God is good to the ground. I
2: learned
1: it
0: that way. Senator Graham, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks look forward so to much. talking to thank you, thank you down you. the road. Appreciate it.